Welcome to the Phil Nason Show, brought to you by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp welcomes all bettors and offers the best prices on the market. They are also proud to be an official betting partner of the New Jersey Devils. Check them out online or in the App Store and see for yourself why PlayUp is your best bet. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of the Phil Nason Show. The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play, and please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I am so happy to have you here. We are presented by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp.com is your destination. Head on over, sign up for an account, and find out why. PlayUp is always your best bet. My best Tuesday bet is my friend Trevor from Big Tasty Sports. He's on the line. We're going to talk a little NBA hoops. What's happening, man? Hey, not much. Just, uh, you know, getting through this week without really any NBA. Obviously, we had the All-Star Game stuff, but it's a li- been a little bit more low-key for a week, not grinding in all these games every day. So, doing well. Well, that's a good thing, by the way. You know, when I covered the NBA, I never did anything during that week off except rest because it's a full-time grind just covering the NBA. Betting the NBA, that's a different issue. We'll get into a lot of that. But did you watch the All-Star Game? I watched into the third quarter and then I got kind of tired and was losing. I mean, it was, there was some fun stuff in that game, watching Steph hit all those threes and you know, you never expect there to be defense, but I actually thought the game was okay, but I just got tired to be honest. I didn't watch one point, one second of it. I did, however, watch a couple of shots from the three point and I watched that slam dunk. Oh boy. Oh boy. You know, I don't know what possesses Adam Silver to do the things that he does. And he has changed everything around so much that it's unrecognizable. I mean, how many chances do you get for the dunk competition? I I could have entered that competition and missed as many dunks as they did. That's right. You just have to never throw the ball at the rim and you get another chance every time. Well, there you go. It's the participation medal crowd coming through. And it's embarrassing. If you listen to the guys who've won it, Spud Webb, different folks like that, Dominique Wilkins, I'm watching him, right, because he's one of the judges, and he's just looking, like, dumbfounded. And he gave out 10s just because they made it. <laughs> right. That was all that was required this time around. But that was, but it is what it is, and it's a break, and it's, I guess the fans really love it, and that's really why it's there. But you told me everything you need to know about the NBA and the All-Star game when a guy like Chris Paul, who's going to be out for eight weeks with a seriously injured thumb, is on the floor playing. Yeah, that was surprising. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And I'll tell you why. Because nothing is a surprise in the NBA, including this awful first half for sports bettors. I don't know about you, but this has been my worst NBA season of note, and I can't even remember the last time it was so bad. It was very; it's been very difficult. But how about you? I've had this question posed to me. I've had pro betters tell me to stop. 
They say the NBA is unbettable. What do you think when you hear stuff like that? Well, I guess, number one, if pro bettors are telling you that, and you yourself, if you think that, then it's probably true to some extent. But for me, who's a little bit newer to the game, there's definitely something deep down inside me where I just think I have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that there are variables, including things like you've brought this up regularly, but there is definitely not the same amount of effort every night. But there's something in me that wants to figure out which teams are trying harder, when they're going to. Sh- but then at the same time, I don't know that it's possible. I'm just telling you that there's something in me that wants to do it. But one question I had thinking about this, whether it's unbettable or not, that I'd love to hear from you is betting the NBA is incredibly difficult for a variety of reasons. Do you think, but I've also heard people say that about the NFL. Like they'll say that lines get so dialed in on the NFL because of all the action that comes in Mm -hmm. that that becomes almost impossible to make money. Do you think the NBA is more challenging than all the other major sports? And if so, why do you think so? Okay. You know what? I agree with that statement. I think the NFL was much easier. Um, With the NFL, you get detailed injury reports during the week. You know, you have people explaining these things daily. We know who practices and who doesn't because they're very transparent about the injuries that they have. The NBA is not transparent. Now, I'm going to read to you from the NBA official media site. I'm, I'm still a member of the NBA media. I still have credentials, even though I don't use them because I just don't. No one's paying me to use them, so I'm not. But anyway, this is what they say. They say NBA teams must report information concerning player injuries, illnesses, and rest for all NBA games. By 5 p.m. local time on the day before a game, other than the second day of a back-to-back, teams must designate a participation status and identify a specific injury, illness, or potential instance of a healthy player resting for any player whose participation in the game may be affected by such injury, illness, or rest. For the second game of a back-to-back, teams must report the above information by 1 p.m. local time on the day of the game. Tell me how often that happens. Almost never. I was shocked actually listening to you read that. I hadn't gone and read that rule before. I mean, everybody who does the NBA knows that it's a daily occurrence trying to guess who's going to sit and who's going to play. So, yeah, that doesn't happen hardly ever. Now, college basketball, it doesn't happen either, but that's a privacy issue. And most of the kids playing are under the age of 21, and they're not going to disclose these injuries for a variety of reasons, mainly because of their future opportunities could get squashed if someone hears of them having a knee issue, for example. And their privacy is protected, and I understand that. And you know what? An injury in the NCAA isn't really the same as perhaps an injury in the NBA to a star. A star player in college basketball, you know, you might have another kid coming off the bench who's better, who just doesn't have the same opportunities to play because dude is in front of him and he's a senior, whatever. But in the NBA, it's ridiculous. You don't know from one day to the next who's doing what to who. And I heard that on your show a few weeks ago. I've said it a hundred times. If you don't know who's playing, how can we even correctly handicap a game how do we handicap a game when we don't have these issues or these this information because sports betting trevor is all about gathering information 
and dissecting it correctly or interpreting it correctly. And if they don't want to tell us about the injuries, then how can we correctly handicap a game when we're missing this vital piece of information? Yeah, that's a great question. And especially in the NBA, where even obviously in the NFL, there are certain players who will make a massive difference, mostly quarterbacks. But in the NBA, you have five people on the floor at a time. And even sometimes, even if it's a role player, it can matter depending on the role they play or it changes how the game's going to be played. So, for instance, I think about John Collins on the ha- the Hawks. It's one of the things as I'm looking ahead to the games coming up Thursday, wondering if he's going to be back in or not. And the Hawks can actually be okay with or without him, but they play differently. And in one case, they are better on offense. In the other case, they're better on defense. So that just goes to your point of it changes the way the game is going to be played sometimes, depending on who's in or out as well. We've talked about the Grizzlies many times with and without John Morant. If John Morant's going to play, they're going to be good on defense, but they're going to be really good on offense. If he doesn't play, they're going to be good on offense, but they're going to be really good on defense. So it does make it incredibly challenging when you don't know who's going to play in a in a sport that has five people on the court at a time. And, and in a sport where pace and, and the tempo of play matters, especially for yep. the total. Exactly. Yeah. And, and when you have a guy like John Collins, I, I don't know this for sure. But I would say that the Atlanta Hawks play faster when he's not on the floor. Definitely could be. Yeah, because Capella runs the floor pretty well. So. Yes, he does. And Collins, he does too, but he doesn't seem to want to. And that's the second thing about this NBA and how why most feel, and I'm talking professionals now, feel that the NBA is unbettable, and that's because of the lack of effort. And you don't see a consistent effort night in and night out that you see, say, for example, in college basketball. I mean, those kids, they have a lot of reasons to go out there and play hard every night. Mainly the one being is that if they don't, they won't be in school much longer because they're going to lose their scholarship because the coaches have the hammer. In the NBA, the coaches don't have the hammer. There's not a single NBA coach in the, and there's not a single head coach in the NBA who has any kind of control over his team other than to fill out the lineup and hope they listen to him during timeouts. It's horrific because these guys make so much money and they, they're coddled to the point of preschoolers, really. And at the end of the day, they don't put on a, a performance every night, just whenever they feel like it. I think that's a big part of it, too. Yeah, I think that is a big part of it. And it's actually one of the things that I've been starting to pay attention to more. I think to some extent, in a big picture sense, I would agree with you that people don't show up in the same way on every night and teams don't show up the same way every night. But I think there are certain players that tend to show up. Maybe it's not 100% of the time, but it's 95%. And an example even, who I wasn't as high on the whole season, but I think John Morant's one of those players. You, You watch him out there on the court and he is getting after it pretty much every night. And so that's actually one of the things I've started to pay attention to is who do I feel like I can count on? Yeah, yeah that's the whole point. Plus, you got to remember and figure out if he's even playing. Well, you do. That's true. <laughs> and that's that a horrible be... thing. But you yeah. know what else, though, people say? Is that these lines are much sharper in the NBA than it is college basketball because there's so few NBA games as opposed to on a Saturday and college basketball slate in January and February, where there's 125 or more games. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And and I actually have felt like the lines got sharper the last couple weeks before the All-Star break, especially in regards to spreads, because we were seeing there weren't really any spreads bigger than 12 and a half ish points, maybe one here or there. And if you watch the last couple weeks before the All-Star break, we had numerous games every day that were over 14 and a half or 15. So it feels like the books have adjusted to some of these blowouts as well. I think so too. You know what? Some of the but here's the thing too is that a lot of these sports books are limiting players to how much they can pay and wager. Yep. So they they can take those 16 point chances because they're going to cut off anybody who's smart enough to take advantage of it, and, and that's a bad thing too. You know, but when you look at the NBA, and I was a guy who loved the NBA until this year. I just well the last couple years really, I started to think maybe it wasn't the greatest league out there. And a lot of it has to do with the star mentality. You know, they just don't want to play. And I don't understand why that is. You would think that a guy who knows, or especially a kid who's come up the hard way and didn't get a chance to go see many NBA games, will go out there and put on a show for the kids. But they ain't interested in that. Your best bet is to go watch the Harlem Globetrotters and bet on them. Well, I don't even know where to find them. I'll have to look that up. You know what? That's but that's yeah. I would do it in a heartbeat because at least you know the outcome. You know. It, yeah, that is true. That's true. You know, and, and they always put in a full effort, whether it's uh, comedic or otherwise. Yeah. But the point. injuries are tough, and the lack of effort is tough, and the fact that you can't get bets down because people limit you that makes it hard too. What about you? What do you think? Is there anything that we've missed in terms of the unbettable NBA? I think we've hit on the big things, the the injury thing. It feels to me like there are two ways that I would look to bet the NBA related to what you said about injuries. Uh, and then effort is the other one, which is is much harder. I Well, not much harder. It's harder to manage with injuries. I think you're either looking to bet opening lines and get value because NBA lines do open pretty soft a lot of the time. And so they move it's not uncommon for him to move two or three points from the open. Right. So I think if you're prepared and you can bet at the open, you could potentially get some value or you're waiting until the last minute or even waiting live. I feel like those are the two ways to try and approach the NBA if you want to try to do it. And that's exactly the way you should do it, by the way, is to bet that early and take your chance. That's why it's gambling. And if you're going to gamble on a line that you like, it's a lot better to do that than to bet on one that you don't and wind up a little poorer in the bankroll. For sure. I, I'm just, I, I just look at it and I go, wow, because some of the things I see now, I just don't understand. But I know you have learned plenty from your first half of the season. I have too. What is something that you learned that you want to carry over into the second half of the season? Yeah, there's there's a couple things for me. One of the big ones is to pay attention to team pay really close attention even digging into the data to teams that are starting to play really well and get on those teams early one of the things that we saw in the first half is that there are teams that get hot or cold so it's not just teams that get hot it could be teams that get cold as right. well and they go on a run that's disproportionate to the team that they really are so, I mean, we've seen Memphis do that a couple times. We saw Charlotte go on a run, and then we saw them 
get really cold and go on a bad run. We saw Boston go on a run right before the All-Star break. Denver went on a run uh, here before the All-Star break. Portland, when they were going through all the ups and downs and the trades and the injuries, they went on a negative run where they looked like the worst team in the league for a while. And I think there's money to be made in those situations if you can get on after the first two or three games because those those trends or spurts or whatever you want to call them eventually run themselves out, right? Like Boston's not going to win 35 games in a row. And so if you can get on those and, and go from game three to seven or eight um, betting on a team that's hot, I think that's one of the things that I really want to pay attention to. I like that one. You know what I, I learned? And, and this is something that I actually put into practice last night in a college basketball game. And that's when teams have played each other before. Go look at what happened. Um, last night, Louisville, North Carolina, the, the first time they met, they scored 189 combined points on a 145.5-point total. The odds makers put it right back up there at 145.5 a game. And people are going, oh, hit the over, hit the over, hit the over. No, 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 no. The flash hit the under, and here's why. Because those two teams combined for 41% from downtown. Uh, North Carolina, who is not a very good shooting team, in my opinion, and they uh, shot almost 50% from downtown. Uh, Louisville, who's a horrible shooting team, shot 38% from downtown. And that accounted for a lot of those points. And these are two teams that play pretty good defense. So I said, wait a second here, because it just didn't look right. And, and that's one of the things you want to try to do is to keep track of that stuff. Now, if you're yep. charting your bets, then you already know if you had the Louisville-North Carolina game the game before and it went like that, there's no way they're going to go over the total again, especially when the odds maker puts that out there at 145 and a half knowing full well he's going to get a lot of money on the over and crush you. Past results matter. Find out why a team is 3-0 and in their last three games. Why is, and this is hypothetical, of course, but why is the Miami Heat 0-3 against the Chicago Bulls over their last three? Go look. You know, don't, don't take a blind pick off Twitter and go, ooh, ooh, ooh good, because you're going to lose. Do some work, and that's what I learned. You're going to have to spend more time digging than ever now to win in the NBA. Agreed. And I actually, so I would piggyback off, off of what you just said. That's one of the things that I'm looking at more and that I feel like I've learned as well is going back and looking at previous results, whether it's the two teams against each other or just recent performance and trying to figure out why. I'll give you an example. This relates, you know, this relates to a game that's coming up on Thursday. Detroit lost 12 out of 14 games straight, and most of those were by double digits. Then they beat Boston, who was super hot. Well, you could say, number one, it's because it was the last game before the All-Star break and Boston just didn't show up. I'm not sure watching the game or looking at the stats that that is totally true, but one of the things I'd look at is Detroit shot 53.3% from three-point range, and they shoot 32% on the season. So, I mean... There you have a big part of the explanation, and to me that informs then some of what do I expect from both Detroit and Boston in the future, because you're going to have outliers like that in the NBA. So I love what you're saying about getting on those games when the market overreacts a different direction. Oh, yeah, especially when you have the information behind you 
to address it correctly. That's the key is gathering the right information. You know, when you're looking for injuries, you got to go to the NBA, go to official.mba.com. And there you will find everything that you need. For example, read last two minute reports. Because a lot of times what happens is that a call is missed and it costs the team a game. They're not going to be very happy about it. And if you think that a professional athlete doesn't have a memory, you are wrong. I remember, I'll tell you what, Trevor, I remember the when I was seven years old, this kid named Rob Strabel kept calling every ball I hit out. Didn't matter where I hit it. I learned. And I was so pissed off after that, the next time I played him, I dusted him for cheating me. And I was going to beat him afterwards, but my grandfather wouldn't let me. <laughs> but but the end of the day is that you have to pay attention to the little things and to find out why. You there's a lot of the, the sample size is huge now for the NBA season. It really is. And these teams have met each other. Okay, maybe not the non-conference, but maybe you want to leave the non-conference alone and focus on division games. And one of the things that I always look for is how do teams fare in their division against their division mates? You know, winning their division matters still. And, you know, you look at Miami, and they are 11-2 and against their division. That's pretty darn good. I don't think there's a single team in the Eastern Conference that's as good against their division as they are. So when you see a Miami Heat team playing against, say, Atlanta or any of those teams, they're taking the boots to these kids. So so maybe you want to stick to just doing division games where the outcome looks pretty good. And, and I know the line might be a little high, but you got to take a chance and go for it. But that's what I would do if you're struggling with the NBA. Yeah, I like that. I think especially, like you said, now that we have such a large sample size, Breaking it down into however many slices you can to try to find things that are significant. And I think like you just said, if a team's 11 and two in a certain situation, that's significant at this point because we have a big enough sample size. So that relates to one of the other things that I've learned that I'm trying to apply is also paying attention to different types of bets. So I don't mostly do halves or quarters or things like that. Mm -hmm. But if you have the time to break it down, there are times, just like the example you gave with Miami, where you're going to see significant patterns where I don't have this in front of me. But but for a while, Minnesota was scoring 30 points or more in the first quarter of every game. Right. I mean, it was really consistent. And obviously, that doesn't continue forever. If you get on in game 12, you might lose right away. But is it better to take an unsure bet on the spread or to say I'm going to bet them to score 30 points when they've done it in nine out of their last 10 games. You know, that might be a stronger bet in a specific situation if you have the data behind you to back it up. Well, there you go. The other, you know, when you look at it, I'm going to go back to that Miami Heat reference again. The Southeast Division, basically you have lottery teams, except for Miami. And now some of these teams don't really know their lottery teams yet because, you know, they've expanded the playoffs to 10 teams which is a big reason why these guys don't have any effort or don't put out that same effort nightly. If there were six playoff spots, you would see a completely different NBA, but commissioner doesn't want that. He, he wants everybody. He's a participation medal guy, so he wants that. But 
when you look at Miami, their play against Charlotte, Atlanta, the Wizards, and Orlando, and you're going to see a lot more of those divisional games as the season winds down, and those are important. And Miami's going to want to go out there and blast people, not to mention the fact that they are the number one seed and they want to be the number one seed. They want that home court advantage, you know, so you've got that. You've also got injuries, and again, that's a tricky situation, especially when you're dealing with a a league with a week off and no accountability for four or five days. You don't know what these guys are doing or not doing. And someone who might have been injured last week might be fresh as a daisy by Thursday night, and you won't have any way of knowing because no one's going to tell you. That's right. Very Gosh. true. That makes it hard, but that those are some of the lessons that I've learned. And the main one is is nothing is as it seems. And that goes back to you got to go and research, and you got to really roll up your sleeves and put that work in. You know, when people tell me all oh, it takes is fifteen minutes, well, then they're probably not a, a winning sports better. Um, I know guys who spend three or four hours on a game, and, and that's the last thing I'm going to say on this subject. And Trevor probably has some other things to say, and we're going to obviously allow him to do that. But when we look at the NBA, and as nothing is as it seems, you have no idea right now which teams are tanking, which ones aren't. You've got buyouts coming along. You have no idea how these players are going to fit this role. We've got a game Thursday night, Boston-Brooklyn. Goran Dragic is signed with the Nets. What kind of impact is he going to make? I, I know what we like to think based on what we've seen, but we also have to realize that he hasn't played at all this year because he didn't want to play in Toronto, and he just sat it out, which to me is interesting in and of itself. But uh, do you have anything to add? Well, I think what you just said is very true and makes betting difficult. I think the silver lining to me is there will be some opportunity if we're paying attention because of what you just said. Yep. So if I really stay on top of which teams are gelling quickly, how do the Nets play now that Goran Dragic is back? And I saw even, I don't think he'll be back, but Kevin Durant has a small chance to play apparently uh, coming out of the all-star break. But if you really stay on top of and ask that question you said earlier of why it's not just, Oh, the Nets won two games in a row with Goran Dragic. It's why did they win them? And is that sustainable? And I think if we can do that, we may actually find some good betting opportunities because of the upheaval uh, in the league, but they're not going to come if you don't dig in and get good answers to that question of why. And that's just it. You know what else you want to do? I, I just came up with something else. See, this is how easy it is when you work with somebody good like Trevor. You know, when you look at these teams and you're looking at some of these organizations and they really have underperformed this year. I'm talking about you, Portland. and uh, Or Oklahoma. Well, no, Oklahoma City, not really. But I'm looking at you, Portland. Those young people on those benches are fighting for jobs. They want another NBA check. See, they want the privilege to be rested like LeBron James gets rested or Chris Paul. They want to be like Chris Paul and and have a broken thumb and still get to play in the All-Star game because, you know, it's Chris Paul and it's the All-Star game. They want that. So they're going to be fighting their butts off to pick up checks. 
So what you want to do, and I learned this watching the Philadelphia 76ers and Brent Brown. He had Rashawn Holmes in the game one night. Home, they were obviously tanking. Holmes came in the game, scored 10 straight points, and then he never played again. <laughs> when you see stuff like that, you bet against that team every time they play because the coach is in on it too. Yep. I, I actually love that. I think that's exactly what I'm saying of paying attention to what exactly is happening. Cause you're, we are going to get tips like that. And I actually think these next six or seven weeks or whatever, until the playoffs, that's going to become an important part of trying to gauge. Well, what's going to happen is, is seeing those things happen and making a note of them. I think it's important. I know it's a lot of work, but it's better than getting taken in by someone on Twitter who's flipping coins and making you beg him for it. You know, <laughs> you don't want that. You want to learn to do your own. And if you don't want to do your own, follow somebody who actually knows, who can explain to you why they do the things that they do instead of just throwing picks out there. That, to me, makes no sense. You know, I get tagged all the time, Trevor. People are always tagging me. I don't know why. I don't look at their picks. If you can't tell me why a pick, why you made a pick, don't come talk to me. Don't tag me. I'm not some dog. Are you stupid? But that's just me. So anyway, Thursday night we resume. And it's been a very good break. You know, I used to talk to Trevor every morning around 6 o'clock. And he's sleeping in now. Uh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> he usually answers me right back. I say good morning. I tell him a funny joke because I know he's, he's got to do a show and everything. <laughs> and it's not easy to do that stuff. I've been doing this for a long time and I know. But, yeah, you got some rest. But what do you think about the Thursday night slate? Because we got Cleveland-Detroit right off the bat. And there are lines up. You can bet these games right now. Cleveland is, well, depending on which shop you look at, it opened at 7.5, and, and now it's up to 8. And 8.5 eight and in most places for a buck of 10, minus 110. What do you like about this game, if anything? I do like Cleveland. I haven't bet it yet because I'm still deciding how much I like it. One of the things I went and looked at was just the last couple of years. And I know the last couple of years have been all over the place, but I wanted to have at least a little bit of roster continuity, how these teams did coming out of the all-star break. And really on this whole slate, the Hawks are the only ones who were positive the last couple of years coming out of the all-star break. Not even just the first game, but the, the first six to eight games. So there wasn't much for me there, but I think in terms of Cleveland and Detroit specifically, what we talked about earlier that I brought up that the, you know, Detroit beat Boston, but to me that was fluky because of how they shot from three point range. And if you look at those 12 of 14 that Detroit lost before that with a spread of eight or eight and a half here, I went through uh, 14 games, I believe and four of them were less than nine points. So of their last 14 losses, we have 10 of them being nine or better, which would cover the spread. And I think Cleveland is one of these teams, from what we were talking about earlier, where generally I think they do come out and play hard. I haven't seen many games, at least personally, where it feels like Cleveland just comes out with zero effort. Now they come out sometimes and they don't shoot well, or they can't get it going. Yes, that absolutely has happened. But I wouldn't expect them to come out without effort. So, yeah, like I said, I haven't decided how, how much I like it yet. Eight and a half is getting a little bit wide. But the numbers would tell me it's it's not a bad spot for Cleveland, actually. 
You know, I, I'm near and dear to Cleveland. I like them very much. They've been very good to me, too. And it's a beautiful thing. But here, here's what I, I can tell you about the Cleveland Cavaliers. And this is another little tip you can get into is listen to coaches. And listen to what they say. I'm not talking about who they're going to play or who are not. They may be lying. But you know what? J.B. Bickerstaff is a seasoned coach in the NBA. He's been on multiple benches as an assistant. He knows the league inside and out. And he came out and said a few weeks ago that this is the most fun I've ever had coaching because these young guys come to work every day. Now, we don't usually as coaches give false praise publicly to people that we don't like. So my thing is, is if he's going to say something like that, and he's been in some strange situations, you know. He had to deal with Harden and Westbrook. That that right there deserves a medal. But at the end of the day, this Cleveland team just beats on you because they grind on you because they put a full effort on every night. Like you said, Detroit has a minus 10-point differential. They're used to getting beat by 10 points. That's why they have such a bad score. That's why they have such a bad record. And like Trevor said, they get beat quite regularly by nine or more points. So if you think Cleveland's going to win, I don't think Detroit's going to do anything to upset that plan. In fact, I think they're going to accommodate that plan. So I like that one too. But Boston, Brooklyn, there's nothing to see here. Boston's going to wax the floor with that team. The only this Go this goes back no this just goes back to that injury thing. I tend to agree with you. I mean, Boston's been phenomenal going into the all-star break. The two things that give me a little bit of pause about just jumping because the, the line isn't even that wide. I mean, two points, you can get three and a half right now. Boston minus three and a half, man. I might have, I might have to just take a shot on that because there is the small chance apparently that Durant comes back though. He'd probably be on a minutes restriction if he did. There's the possibility Dragic plays. And then the only other thing is that they did look better with Curry and Drummond in the lineup, but they also didn't really play anyone in those last few games. And they only went two and one. It's not like they, you, you know, they set the world on fire or anything. So at three and a half, the only, I'd be curious your thoughts on this. That line just feels like is there's some kind of trap here I don't see. Because three and a half feels like an insane line to me if everything looks the way I think it should. And now it's moved up to four and four and a half in a lot of places for Boston. I, I don't know this for sure. But I would assume that if Kevin Durant were anywhere near healthy on Sunday, he would have played a little bit. And he didn't, did he? No. That could be true. Yeah, you might be right. I don't I don't think he was even at the game, actually. I think he was the captain of the team. So, right, but I, I think when they announced the players, I think they said, like, captain who, because of injury, can't be present. Oh, okay. Well, he's still probably hurt then. Because if there was even a glimmer of hope that he played in that game, he would have. There is no doubt in my mind he would have. That's something that he really likes to take part in. Yeah. And, of course, he wants to send a message to the rest of the league that I'm back. And what better way to do that than a a, a game where they're not playing defense? I mean, Chris Paul went out there with a busted thumb. So, I mean, what are you going to say? I don't think he's playing. And when it opened at two, if you grab that at minus two for Boston, you did pretty good. The only thing that does give me pause, though, and I'm not talking about Durant or, or part-time Kyrie. I don't even, when I do a Brooklyn Nets game, I don't even consider Kyrie at home, away, or wherever. He's just not, he's just not a factor. He hasn't been a factor in the NBA for about five years. But the end of the day is 
they did look okay with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. They looked a lot better because they didn't need to keep Blake Griffin on the floor that long. The other thing that they were a little better at is getting the ball to LaMarcus Aldridge. I know he has the third highest usage rate on the team, but they put him, they set him up in great spots, and a lot of that has to do with Andre Drummond being there and that floor doesn't open. So he's got a chance to hit that mid-range because that's all that's going to be there. And we know what LaMarcus Aldridge can do. I don't know what Boston's going to bring at them tomorrow night or Thursday night, but jeez, if you could have got two points, you should have took it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, that line seems incredible to me because while I agree, I actually kind of like Andre Drummond. He he oh, works hard. Too. He gets you rebounds. Uh, and so he and Seth Curry have helped there, but that's still not a good team currently. No, no. If they were a good team, James Harden would never have wanted to leave. It's true. And, and I think we'll see how things shake out. I think by the end of the season, they can at least be a dangerous team again if Durant's healthy. But for now, it's just not the case. Yeah, now if Durant's healthy, that changes everything. Because that kid is deadly. You know, you might he might not be your cup of tea off the court or on Twitter or whatever, but that young fella could shoot. And I had never seen a guy shoot like that. I've seen some pretty good shooters in my life. Atlanta, Chicago. Look at this. The Hawks are a four-point away dog against the red-hot Chicago Bulls. That's a game you might want to just sit back and watch. I agree. Uh, I think this is a tough one. Atlanta and Chicago actually are two of the teams that I feel more unsure about because I think Atlanta does have tremendous potential and they showed that last year and they've showed flashes of it this year, but it's been incredibly inconsistent, which makes them hard, hard to put a bet on. But to some extent, Chicago has been the same. You feel like, I mean, they are one of the top teams in the East, but you feel like they should go out and blow people out every night. But then they just don't always do it. And so this game, actually, there's no total out yet, but I'm curious what the the total will be here. Chicago's number 24 defending points in the paint, if, especially if Collins is back. That could be big for Atlanta. They could have an advantage inside. Atlanta, number 20 defending fast break points this year. This definitely could be an up and down game if Chicago can push the pace a little bit. So I'd potentially be interested in in the total here once it comes out if it's not too high. I think these are two teams that play a lot of offense and not as much defense. Now, that could be true. You know, that was the calling card last season for the Hawks when they went on that incredible run after they fired Lloyd Pierce. Um, but at the end of the day, Zach Levine, he's on an injury report or two, but yet he did 360 dunks during the All-Star game. You tell me what's up with that team. I don't trust the Bulls. I know they're doing great and blah, 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 but I don't trust DeMar DeRozan. I've been watching him far too long for that. And Zach Levine is Zach Levine. I, I like what they've done there. Billy Donovan has done a good job. I know Billy a long time. But at the end of the day, it's, this is something I just, I'm going to just sit back and watch this one and, and perhaps even enjoy it, um, unless the Wolverines are playing, because I need to see what the assistant coach does for Michigan. I need to know. Well, you've got the rest of the season to see that. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that yeah. something? <laughs> you know, I was watching the game Sunday, Trevor. Listen to this one. I was watching the game. And I, of course, had Michigan like a ding-dong. 
And they went nine minutes without scoring, and I didn't want to, like, throw the remote control through the TV. That's never <laughs> a good look. And so what I did is I got up, I grabbed some more cranberry juice, I came in and I flipped it to another game that I had some interest in, and I missed the fight. Oh, man. I'm what disappointed because, you know, Jawan Howard has always been like that. Um, I don't know. All I know is I'm disappointed that I missed it live. I, I, I was trying to figure out what the deal was. You know, I, people, there was things flashing on the CBS screen. Jawan Howard just threw a punch. I wonder who he hit. So, so now I got to scurry around, and thankfully I missed the other game I lost, and it was okay. But uh, Memphis, Minnesota, now you brought up Memphis. Memphis is playing great. They're currently a one-point favorite. That's where they opened anyway. And now they're a deuce. Just about straight across the board. Some places have minus one and a half points. This should be an interesting game. But my money says if you're getting minus 115 in the juice, if you're paying 15 cents juice for Memphis, you're paying too much. On the one and a half, you mean? Yeah, you're paying. Yep. Some places minus two points. Oh, look, DraftKings. But then again, it doesn't really matter because you can't bet there anyway. But minus two is a two-point favorite is now a minus 115. Yep. I see that. Kids, kids, now I'm going to – can I teach a little bit more, Trevor? Absolutely. Please do. Listen to me very carefully. You need a 52.4% success rate at minus 110 to break even. That means you're going to have to hit him at 54 or 55%, anything higher than that. My best advice to you would be to leave this – Minus this juice over minus 110 alone. And I know people are cussing because no one says these things, right? But you understand what minus 110 is out there, right? You understand what minus 115 is. That's extra nickel of juice that they're going to suck from you. Not only are they going to limit you to ridiculously low amounts, like a dollar 14 in some cases, they're going to charge you a buck 15 juice or 15 cents extra juice just for the privilege of not letting you bet. Don't do that. Leave those side and totals over minus 110 alone. They're thieving you. Okay. It's good. It's it's good instruction. And that's where if you like Minnesota, you could get minus 105 on them, right? That's yes. the, the flip side of it. But right now, I would have a, and I think you know I'm a Timberwolves fan, and yes. I like Minnesota, and I'm high on Minnesota. I think they actually have a pretty good team this year, but I have a hard time going against Memphis unless I have some really strong reason to do it. They've just been too good, too consistent. They play good defense. They're great on offense. They can play fast. They can get in the lane. They can hit threes. I just think it's a pretty complete team, and so I. I might stay off of a game, and I wouldn't want to pay juice like that, as you said. I actually think in games like this, one of the things that I would potentially look to do is if I like Memphis, I'm going to just tune in at the beginning of the game, wait till that money line hits plus 100, and take it there. Now, see, that's the way to play that one. That's something that I was going to bring up during the lessons learned, and I didn't. And that's something that you and I have talked about quite often. And that's wait. If you don't get the number that you think is right, wait and do it live. You know, wait till the game stops. Make sure there's a stoppage of play, a commercial break, a timeout, the middle, at the end of a quarter during the intermission or the halftime. That number is going to pop for you at some point. 
because it always does. Because that ain't bookmakers making that line. That's your money making that line. That's different than the regular line. Not much different, but slightly different. And the money is going to really dictate it in a faster way. So if you wait for that, you're probably going to get it. And that leads me to the other thing is that you should be playing more money lines in these games too. Because these spreads, it's hard to tell sometimes. And these spreads are sharp. This is a sharp spread here, this Minnesota-Memphis spread. That's sharp. Yeah, I, I agree about the money lines. And especially, again, if you can wait live and get an even number on it at plus 100. The other thing I'm just going to throw in, and I'd be happy to hear your thoughts here, but it's something that I've done some, especially when I can watch games, is if if I like Memphis at all at minus one and a half, and let's say we're near the end of the first quarter and Minnesota has gone up by six or seven and Memphis now is plus one and a half at minus 110, why don't I just take the half point or the money line and get plus money. If I liked that other number to begin with, I just think there are opportunities in the NBA to get rid of the juice as well. And yes, that could come back to bite you because obviously you could lose by a hook and then you could have won, but maybe that's getting too, too confusing. But I just wonder sometimes with such high fluctuation, if it's not worth taking small plus money and getting rid of the juice for yourself, if Uh, you're betting live. Absolutely. That's the way you should do it. If you're close to it, if that number is what you like, pop it. Yeah. Because that works. Now we got Phoenix and Oklahoma City. Now Phoenix is a, now a ten point favorite. They opened at seven and a half. I'll bet you that obviously there's a lot of money put on Phoenix to make it jump like that. I'm wondering, do they read the statistics? Like this one, for example. Oklahoma City at home. Is 15, 9, and 4 against the spread. They cover. And they cover a lot at home. Now on the road, let me see here. Where we got the Suns? The Suns are 17 and 10 against the spread as the away team. And the majority of those games were with Chris Paul. How are they going to deal without Chris Paul in his 32, 33 minutes per night? That's going to make a big difference. I would not go near this game. And if I were... I would probably take the Oklahoma City Thunder on the money line just for the heck of it. I'm pretty sure you'll make me look like a fool here, but I'm actually on the other side of this one, and here's why. I And I don't know that I like minus 10. Again, I haven't bet this, but I wouldn't take Oklahoma City. The reason why is Chris Paul, again, one of these players, yes, he may, he makes a difference in a lot of ways when he can be out there. But I went back and looked at last year when he wasn't playing, And they actually scored six more points a game without him. They did allow about seven more points a game, so it was higher scoring games. But I think Chris Paul not being on the floor could lead to a little bit more pace for them. I think DeAndre Ayton may get more involved than he's been. He has... It's just been like he's sitting on the sidelines, and I don't know all of what's going on there. But when he has the ball in his hands, he puts up good stat lines. So I think Aiton may get more involved where it's basically he and Booker who are trying to create things. I think they might play a little bit faster. So I actually think that Phoenix might do well uh, for a stretch here without Chris Paul. And I don't fully believe in the Thunder, mostly because they – a team that has a really hard time scoring more than 100 or 105 points is hard for me to put money on. Now, that's a good point. Do you remember the night that I played Memphis against Oklahoma City? 
I don't. I probably did too, though. Yeah, and then we lost by 75. I played well, OKC the first night Morant got hurt. I oh, gotcha. OKC. Oh, yes, yes. I got I got you. Yes, now I know what game you're talking about. Yes. Now, for those of you guys who've been listening to this show since the Armed Forces Radio days, you will know how much I hate the Thunder. And In fact, I was at one time their worst enemy. And they all hated me, I, the one, except for the guy who came on my show every week to talk about them, who covered them, because I got along with him. But at the end of the day, for me to want that, that that must be saying something. But then again, it's Tuesday. I would do it just because I don't trust these young guys. I don't know what they were doing during the All-Star break. And I think that they, being without Chris Paul, and I've watched Phoenix play a little bit this year, he seems to stabilize them when things go awry. And there isn't someone to do that. And I'm not so sure Devin Booker's that guy. I don't know what's going on. That's a puzzler with, with Aiton. Perhaps he's just not happy that he's not getting the ball enough or he's not getting the recognition he thinks he deserves. I don't know. But I know Golden State plays Portland, and they, this number has barely moved. It opened at six points for Golden State. And now it's minus six and a half for in Golden State's favor. What do you think about this one? Is this a game you really want to touch? Probably not. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I have more research to do before before Thursday, but I have spent some time looking into all these so far. And the, the hard thing here is Golden State really limped into the all-star break. I tweeted out right before that, they lost four out of five for the first time this season. Right. Struggling offensively, struggling defensively. Now, you could look at Steph in the All-Star game and say, man, he got his shot back. Well, nobody plays defense in the All-Star game either, so we'll see if that holds or not. I think when, once Draymond comes back, eventually Golden State is absolutely a contender, in my mind. But I don't know that I can trust them to be that right now. And Portland actually played okay in their last few games going into the All-Star break. So Portland, to me, is a middling team that is settling into that spot, though, where they're going to at least play like a middling team, not play like a bottom-of-the-league team. So this is a game I would probably stay away from for now. I don't feel confident on either side of this one. When you talk about players who make an impact, both offensively and defensively, without Draymond, setting screens for Curry, facilitating from the post, from the high post, bringing the ball up the floor, throwing people to the floor on defense, getting technicals, getting pissed off. I love Draymond. He's from my old high school. So he's my little brother. So I think that they're in big trouble without him. That being said, I wouldn't go near this game for all the money in the world. Denver, Sacramento. Denver. A five point they opened as five point favorites. Now they're down to four and a half point favorites. This is an interesting game, right? I agree. It is. You know, we I think we probably talked about this before the break. That trade that Sacramento made where they got rid of Halliburton, I like that for Indiana in the long run. But I think it stabilizes things for Sacramento just a little. Not that Sabonis is some phenomenal leader, but he is an established player in the league. He's not a young player at this point, and he gives them a solid post presence where there's consistent scoring, consistent rebounding. Um, Fox was back for the last few games, which, again, he hasn't turned into what we thought he could be or maybe he can be. But he is a, a skilled player. And it helps them to have him on the floor. So I think Sacramento is a team 
that probably comes out of the break not being as bad as they were for the most part heading into it. On the other hand, Denver was playing well going into the break, and I think that they have stabilized themselves and learned how to play with the personnel that they have. So the one of the things that's interesting to me in this spot is that Sacramento is number 30 to this point in the season defending points in the paint, and Sabonis isn't necessarily a phenomenal defender in the paint. So I think it's another spot where Jokic should kind of be able to have his way. So at the the current number, I would lean toward Denver here, but I think it'll be more competitive than maybe you would expect it to be when you see Sacramento on the docket. I watched the uh, first game that Sacramento played with uh, Demata Sabonis in the lineup, and, and the Fox kid walked over to him in the first minute of the game and hugged him. <laughs> oh, wow. He said, holy crap. And afterwards, he was asked about it. And, you know, he said, bottom line is, I had never played with a guy in the paint like him. And, and that's, you know, Marquise Chris and all y'all. <laughs> I mean, he found somebody he likes. Because, you know, Sabonis, for all his faults, he's a really heady basketball player. He knows his thing. But it's still the Sacramento Kings. They haven't been relevant since Chris Webber left. They probably won't be ever relevant again. You can, you'll bet Sabonis will be wanting to get out of there as quickly as he can. And Denver, I don't. Jokic is a heck of a player, great talent, maybe the best player in the game right now. But he also pouts and sulks if he doesn't get his way, and I, that's why I don't. I like to stay away from Denver games. But my friend, this has been a blast talking hoops with you once again. Thank you so much for being here. Tell everybody where they can find you, how to find you, and and what everything that you're doing. Sure, man. It's been a blast for me, too. Looking forward to getting back into the NBA and hopefully having a strong finish for both of us here these next six weeks or so. Uh, for me, the biggest thing that I'm doing now is a daily NBA podcast. Phil comes on on Saturdays and we just go through the slate. It's called the breakdown and we break down every single game. Like we were talking about earlier, having that why for things really at, at, at the baseline of things. That's what I'm trying to do with the podcast is give you good information that helps you understand what's going on in games, not just give picks though. Once in a while we do that if we have them. So you can find that on Apple podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. And if you are having trouble finding it, if you look me up on Twitter at NBA attack, you can click on the profile and the link for the podcast, wherever you get those is in there. We'd love to have you check it out. Absolutely. I can't wait till Saturday. I can't wait to talk about my frustrating tennis career. And, and, and I'm looking forward to that. I look forward to doing Trevor's show. You'll enjoy and learn a lot from it. Trevor works hard at this. And his guests work hard at it too. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. I want to thank PlayUp Sportsbook for presenting the show. PlayUp.com is your one-stop destination for all your sports betting needs. Limits posted there. Not like, say, I don't know, DraftKings, who just arbitrarily limits you based on your success. They also are always your best bet. That's playup.com. All picks made on this podcast. None of those were made today. We're just doing our thing. Are tracked at betstamp.app. You can sign up for a monthly subscription to all of my stuff for the very low price of $9.99. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves. Be good. And most importantly. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you, and I thank you. 
Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page.